Yes, we're actually the Hendersons. We're the Hendersons. That's all right. Put it down because they sounded really good singing. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, Corey and Lathan and Cade, I'm so glad you are here and you brought that guy with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brought Jeff with you. That's all right. Praise God. Give God some praise. He's worthy of it this evening. What you say now? You were there? Really? God is phenomenal. And he's the only one that stands on that stage. You know, oftentimes we call things awesome. We, we, we say, man, those are some awesome shoes. Man, that's an awesome car. Man, that's an awesome hat. And then we say, God, you're awesome. Wait a minute now. Do my shoes and my car and my hat compare to the awesomeness of God? So I'm just going to challenge you. I'm not going to chase you if you say my shoes are awesome. But know that God is the only one that deserves that category. If anybody's going to be awesome, it's going to be God and him alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you speak to us. And we believe your word. Your word declares that it shall not return to you void. You said, my word shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I've sent forth for to do. So God, speak to us, please, individually and collectively as your people. We want to hear from you, God. We want your word to be real to us, and we want to stand on it. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share, and thank you all for your worship tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I want to share with you a guy that we all know. We, we, we know him by Simon. Sometimes we, we've heard him called Simeon, but most of the time we've heard him as Simon Peter. And Simon Peter was the brother of Nathaniel. They were apostles of Jesus, hung out with Jesus, walked with Jesus. Simon Peter had some great moments, had some not-so-great moments too. But let's look real quick at just a few of the great moments that we see in Simon Peter. You know, he was that outspoken guy. Outspoken guy. In, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. Jesus said, no, but who do you say? That I am. Isn't he looking for a personal relationship for us? Huh? Yeah. And that's what he asked his disciples. He said, now all these other people are saying things about me, but you've been walking with me for three and a half years. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not 
prevailed against it. Simon declares that, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah. And then Jesus lets it be known that flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Simon, but my Father who is in heaven. And Jesus is so excited. He says, you know what? Your name is no longer going to be called Simon Barjona, but I'm going to give you a new name. And your name is going to now be called Peter. Peter. Where, where we get, you might have heard him called sometimes Cephas, and there's an Aramaic term which, the, which we get the Greek name Peter from, or Petros, the little rock. And Petros meaning stability, stable. So now he tells Peter that, that Peter, you are stable in your faith. Peter has a great moment, great moment. Let's look at another great moment real quick. I like great moments. Matthew 14, 22 through 32. Immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. This is Jesus. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from, a long way from the land beaten by waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Fourth watch of the night would be between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning. These disciples had been out there in that boat. My wife said they was out there in a dinghy, probably, trying to get across to the other side. But there was a storm. And the, and the scripture says here that the, the winds were, were, were high and the storms were beating against them. And they were trying to get away, trying to get over to the other side. And now Jesus comes walking on the water. Listen to this scripture. Listen to this scripture. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they cried in fear, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, here we go, Peter. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, he said, come. So Peter got out the boat. Man, this is blowing me away. Peter got out the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. I wish I could say end of story. Man, because that's a great moment, right? Nobody else, nobody else in here, nobody else in the whole world has a testimony that they walked on water. The guys that were with them, okay, these guys had all been walking with Jesus for three and a half years. They've seen miracle after miracle. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen all of these things, but nobody else said. James didn't say, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. John didn't say, Jesus, if Nathan didn't say. Only Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. I wish I could say that's the end of the story, but it's not the end of the story because we know he took his eyes off of Jesus according to verse number 31 or 30. But when he saw the wind, Peter, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took a hold of him and said to him, oh, you little, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. But I still declare to you that was a great moment, right? You with me on that? 
was a great moment. Great moment. But here's a not so great moment. Peter, Luke 22, 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back up. He just changed his name, right? Didn't, didn't in this last great moment, he said, you are no longer Simon Borjona, but you are Peter, the little rock, the Petros, the one that's stable, the one that's stability. Now he says in Luke 22, 31, 34, he calls him Simon, Simon, with an explanation point. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But, but he said, but Peter said, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, is it up there? Look, look, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you would deny three times that you know me. Wow. So, so, so Peter is now saying, mm-mm, not me, not going to be me. He said, all these folks right here might deny you. The disciples in another scripture definitely says that because in another scripture, Jesus tells his disciples that all of you are going to fall away. Peter even says in that portion of the scripture, but yeah, Tim might fall away quick might fall away. Brian might, but I'm not falling away. Peter says, these guys might, but I'm not. But we know the story, right? He fell away. He fell away and he denied Jesus, just as the scripture said, just as Jesus had prophesied over him, he denied Jesus three times. And Peter was broken and he was hurt And if I had time, I'd tell you a lot of the story that was leading back to Peter to be restored. But finally, that is exactly what happens. Peter sees Jesus, and and once he sees sees him and they have a chance to talk one-on-one, Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? And they go through this transition, and Jesus tells him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And they go through this, and Peter is restored. And the next time we see him in another great moment is on the day of Pentecost. And scripture records that about a third, a thousand, about 3,000 souls were saved. So Peter from experience comes now and he wants to write back and speak to us and tell us some things about tests. Tell us some things about trials because we all go through them. We all go through tests. We all have trials. Peter wants to speak to us from experience. So he comes and he writes the story to us. But I want to I ask you this. Because remember when I mentioned that, that Jesus addresses Peter as Simon, Simon, his old name, and not as Peter. Could this mean that Jesus knew that Peter wasn't going to do too well in this test? Could this mean that that when Jesus knew when the test came knocking on Peter's door, that Peter was going to open the door with his flesh and not with his faith? Let me ask you that question. When, When tests come knocking on your door, how do you answer? Do you answer in flesh or do you answer by faith? 
When you go through a trial, do you run in fear or do you stand in faith? When you have issues and trials that come against you, do you look at your own abilities and your resources thinking, I've got this, I can handle this? Or do you kneel in prayer and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Lord, I can't handle this situation. I need your help. Regardless of how much money I have, regardless of how good I think that I can handle situations, Lord, I need you. Is that you? Is that you? Or do you look at what you have and you try to work it out on your own? Peter wants us to know, don't get in the way of the work of the Lord in your life. Let God do the work in your life. What what baffles me is that Jesus didn't ask Tim. He didn't ask Peter. This is how it's addressed. Jesus says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And then Tim, Jesus tells Peter this, after you have returned to me, strengthen the brethren. Now, hold up. If, if, If Peter would have been listening, and my wife often tells me, you're not listening to me. You ain't listening to me. I told you to do that. You ain't listening to me. I'm thinking, well, don't tell on Jeff, please. I'm thinking, Peter was exactly like me. Sometimes I don't listen. Because if he would have heard Jesus saying, look, Satan wants to sift you as wheat, and when you return to me, hold up, Jesus, where am I going? When I return to you, what, what are you saying when I return? What am I going to do? Help me so I can get through this test. We don't hear that conversation. We don't hear that at all. Peter now is in his own feelings. He's like, no, Lord, they might fall. They might fall away. But I'm not going. I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So I wonder, are some tests and trials meant to benefit us? I wonder sometimes, going through a test and going through this on the other side, you say, Lord, I thank you for getting me through this. Because I can tell you that I I hated to go through some of the struggles and the trials that I went through in my life. But I'm grateful now that God uses what the enemy meant for bad to turn it into good. Amen? I am so grateful that even through the test, Jesus stood up. Jesus pursues his people. He pursued me. I was not looking for Jesus. I was not looking for him snorting cocaine up my nose. Didn't want to have anything to do with him smoking reefer every day. Jesus came looking for me in my mess. And I'm so grateful for his deliverance through the test he found me. And now I just want to be used by him. And that's what Peter says here. He says in 1 Peter... chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. He tells us a few things that we need to be mindful of. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Peter addresses us, he says, From experience, from my experience, we need to know that we have an enemy. 
And we have a common enemy. His name is Satan. And he wants to destroy your faith. He wants to destroy your trust in God. But he gives us some points. He says, be sober-minded. Sober-minded is actually not saying don't be drunk, not only be drunk, because, you know, sometimes that can make you not want to follow God either, you know. But, but not only is he speaking about the sober-minded aspect in the physical, he wants to be spiritually-minded, spiritually-minded. And when I think about minded, I think about the mind of Christ that we see in Philippians, where he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And when you see that mind of Christ, you see what comes with that mind of Christ is how Jesus was humble, how he was humble, and and how he thought of the cares of people. He thought about the cares of people. Humble doesn't mean think less of yourself. It means think of yourself less. Think of others first and try to minister to thy needs. That's what we see in Jesus. So, so Peter says, be, be spiritually minded, be sober minded. But not only does he say, be spiritually minded, be sober minded, he says, be self-controlled. And when he's speaking self-controlling here, again, he's not talking about being controlled by your flesh, but he's saying he wants you to be self-controlled by what we see the Holy Spirit gives us when we see the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, one of those qualities of his fruit is self-control. And that means simply, not do I have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have me? We get all confused and wrapped up in that. And you got to speak in tongue and you got to do this to know that you got the Let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit has you, you're going to start doing what he says do. From the least of the things to the greatest of things. So many times, so many times I've heard... The Spirit of the Lord just tell me things, just, just little simple things. I've been pumping gas or standing in the line at Kroger's or Walmart or something, and he says, ask him, do they know me? I'm like, I don't know them people. <laughs> what? So every now and then I'm bold enough to ask them, do they know Jesus? But I've missed the mark so many times. I've missed it, and I've, de- I've had a sense of denial But when the Holy Spirit is so prevalent in your life and he starts blessing you to the point where there's no shame, there's no shame in your relationship with the Lord, Peter says, take the mind of Christ, be sober-minded, be spiritually led, be spiritually minded, and be self-controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I think this way, I think, I, 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 I think of this yielding to the Holy Spirit. Man, this is one of my pet peeves, man. I'm here to tell you, yield signs. Yield signs. And I can't talk to y'all because I get mad when I start talking about these yield signs, man. People, 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 a yield sign is there. They taught us when we was in driver's ed. They taught us that when, when you see a yield sign, you come up to the yield sign and, and you slow down and you, 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 you let the traffic go. And, and if there's a flow of traffic coming, you stop, right? That's what they taught us in driver's ed. I don't know what they're teaching people these days because I've come, I've come to, to, to uh, it, there's three lanes of traffic going down the interstate and there's folks trying to get on. Now, they've got a yield sign coming on off the, amp, off the ramp, right? Y'all not as mad as I am, so I'm, I'm not feeling this. So, so, so they're coming in. You point, he, he's probably one of those guys I'm mad at. So he's coming in, he's coming in off the ramp, we're going 55, 65 miles an hour, and he comes in and wants to zoom in. I'm like, you had a yield sign, man, and the yield sign means stop if you can't get in. It says yield to stop. I'm really getting excited, aren't I? 
It says, yield to stop. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. We have to know so much that he has our lives right in the palm of his hands, and he wants us to yield to him. He wants to have us so much that when we come to the chance and the test come, he wants us to yield so that test won't get us, so that temptation won't get us, so we won't run through the Holy Spirit stop sign. Because sometimes we run through, he, he'll tell us, don't do that, don't do that, don't say that, right, Linda? He'll say, don't say that, don't say that. And we'll end up doing it. And we've just run over, ran over the Holy Spirit stop sign. He wants to speak to us. So Peter says, Peter says that. He says, be sober-minded, be spiritually-minded. He says, have, have, the, have the mind of Christ. He says, let the Holy Spirit control you. But then he tells us also to be vigilant. Be vigilant. And vigilant can mean this, being watchful and not careless. Don't be secure in your own strength. And who else can tell us that but Peter, to not be secure in your own strength? Because he was outspoken. He was the one, remember he was the one that was in the, in the, in, in, and cut off that guy's ear, that they was coming trying to arrest Jesus. Peter went, cut the guy's ear off. He, Peter was just outspoken. And he says, I've done a lot of things in my own strength. I want you to be vigilant. I don't want you to rely on your own strength. I want you to be careful in this life that you're living there's people looking at you. And that's one of the things that I did, you all. I looked at you church folks. And I said, I don't want to go in no church because they're not loving like they're supposed to. They're not living like they're supposed to. And I used you for an excuse for me not to come into the church house. There are folks that are looking at us. And we're examples of Christ. So Peter's given us some warnings now that your adversary, the devil, wants to destroy your faith. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your trust in God. But he says, you can, you can handle this. You can handle it if, if, if you'll be sober-minded, if you'll have the mind of Christ, if you'll be humble. Another thing that I see in, in, in this was that this mind of Christ is he was always wanting to have the presence of God. He was always, the, the scripture that says, I and the Father are one. When Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They always had a, a, a oneness. Jesus always went off to pray. He always had this sweet fellowship with the Father. And that's what we ought to have with God. That sweet relationship with him. Knowing that there's a consciousness of him being with us all the time. Okay, I got to wrap this up. I wonder, when Peter walked on the water, and when he sunk, and he cried out, Lord, save me, and, and the scripture said that I read that Jesus reached down and grabbed him by the hand and picked him up, or, or, or got him up on his feet. The Bible does not say that Jesus carried him back to the boat on the water. The Bible does not say that they swam back to the boat on the water. Remember, it was still a storm going on. The wind was still blowing. The waves were still moving. The Bible didn't say that they swam back to the boat. It didn't say Jesus carried him back to the boat. I'm a Henderson this one. Use my own mind. Can I do that, Henderson? I'm a Henderson this one. And I wonder if when Jesus got him up by the hand, if they walked hand in hand on the water, back to the boat in the midst of the storm. 
in the midst of the test, did they walk back to the boat? And I suggest to you that that could be a physical example of a spiritual reality. In other words, when we go through tests, find the hand of Jesus. When you go through storms in your life, find the hand of Jesus because he will walk you through the test. He'll walk with you through your sick bed. He'll walk with you in your hospital room. He'll walk with you in any area of your life. Find your faith. Find the hand of Jesus. Bless you. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for allowing us just to be able to share your word and for opening up our understanding. Would you please continue to speak to us, God? If there are any here tonight that are not saved, God, would you save them? We know that you're still saving today. You're still delivering today. And we thank you for how much you love us. Help us now as we've shared your word. Help us to take these words and apply them to our lives. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.